Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and with thanksgiving, with humility in our hearts, with thankfulness for your love and your grace, for drawing us to yourself and for making us your children by adoption, for setting us apart as those who will join you in the resurrection and will live with you forever. And during this sermon, I pray that you will open ears and hearts to your truth and to the power of your resurrection. I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So today's sermon is entitled, Why the Resurrection of Jesus Christ Matters. And, you know, I've intimated before that many modern churches and modern Christians have departed from the true faith. And one of the tenets of the true faith is the bodily, physical resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some modern Christians and modern churches and modern theologians have posited that the resurrection was not, in fact, literal, or was not bodily or physical, but that it was a spiritual resurrection, that, that Christ's physical body remained in the tomb, but that uh, some kind of spiritual body arose. Um, but that is pure falsehood. Um, and there is no power in that, and it's not what the scripture teaches us. We are taught by scripture and by the teaching of the apostles that Christ rose in power, uh, in bodily form, in a glorified body. So it was a different kind of body, but it was still his body, and it was a physical body, and it literally rose from the dead. So much so that there were hundreds of witnesses that, that saw Jesus. We are told that in the book of Acts, that there were many witnesses to Jesus's resurrection. And we are also told the story in the book of Acts uh, where Jesus uh, enters the room with his disciples and um, Thomas puts his fingers into the holes where the nails were driven. This is a body that is obviously um, similar enough to what it was before resurrection to be recognizable, um, but also a, a bit different from what it was before, um, so that Mary uh, in the garden, when someone came up behind her, she thought it may have been the gardener, right, um, until Jesus spoke and she realized it was her Lord. So there is power in this belief in having faith in Jesus's bodily, physical resurrection. And we'll go over some reasons why we as Christians believe this, why this is our foundational doctrine, um, why it is that tenet around which everything else um, spins and, and operates. All right, so um, as usual, we're going to be flipping through a few scriptures today. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. 1 Corinthians um, was written by the Apostle Paul, and it's one of the earlier letters that, uh, that were penned by Paul, um, earlier perhaps than the Gospels. Um, so in the book of 1 Corinthians, we see a lot of the earliest teaching and belief of the very early Christians in the early church. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So here we see the foundational doctrine of the early church, that Christ was raised physically from the dead, and that in that resurrection we are given hope for this life, yes, but also for the next life. And we are given the promise of the remission of our sins through the resurrection. Paul here says, if we do not believe, if we do not trust that Christ was raised physically from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Our faith is futile. It is worthless. Why even believe in anything if we don't believe that Christ was raised from the dead? This is the starting point of our faith. Um, and uh, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then of course we will not be raised from the dead. Um, so there goes that hope. Um, and we are still in our sins, Paul says, um, if this uh, miracle did not happen. Now, praise God, it did happen. Christ was raised from the dead in bodily form and appeared, as I said, to many of his followers and people who were not his followers. Hundreds of people in the book of Acts uh, were witnesses to his resurrection. Um, so we can trust that it is true. And we have the internal knowledge. The Holy Spirit gives witness within us that the resurrection is true in our daily lives. It is the power of God working in us. All right, let's turn to the book of Romans, um, another book that was likely written by the Apostle Paul um, fairly early on. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, so this is a crucial point that I want to make clear. There is no salvation without faith and belief in 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you do not believe in the resurrection, you do not have salvation. You are still in your sins. So as you, if you are not already a believer, if you have not already come to faith, as you are discerning and listening to the voice of God, um, you may be considering um, joining his true church. If that is the case, um, you will need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That is the power from which your salvation will come. Right? So it is a um, not only a crucial belief for Christians, but a necessary belief for salvation. We see in the Gospels, and I'm just going to show you two examples examples of this today, but we see in the Gospels where Jesus himself predicted um, not only his death, but also his resurrection. Um, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 2, verse 19. John chapter 2, verse 19. Oh, let's start in verse 18. John 2, 18. And we'll go to verse 22. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And by this temple, Jesus is referring to his body. Destroy this temple or this body. And in three days, I will raise it up. In three days, I will raise this body, the body that was going to be crucified. In three days, Jesus would raise that body up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? They did not get what he was saying. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So here we see Jesus predicting not only his death, but also his resurrection in three days' time. Um, look also, if you will, at the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. Matthew 20, 17 through 19. And this is actually the third time that Jesus foretells his death and then his resurrection. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And so we see here again that Jesus predicts not only his death, but also his resurrection. Now, I spoke previously of these eyewitness accounts. Um, the Gospels are eyewitness accounts. They are testimony of what happened when Jesus was living and active um, in ministry on earth. Um, but there were also testimonies and eyewitnesses after Jesus's resurrection to that resurrection. Um, and I just want to you know, speak for a few seconds here on the, the power of eyewitness testimony. Um, many non-believers, when they uh, are not familiar with 
uh, scripture and, and theology and the development of Christian belief very early on in the first century, um, the disciples and the followers of Jesus and the generation um, that followed, um, they uh, there, there are some secular theories floating around that um, a lot of these writings and beliefs sprung up hundreds of years after Jesus. Well, that is certainly not true. The earliest writings that we have are the writings of Paul, um, and a few of those writings are no later than 15 or 20 years after Jesus's death and resurrection. So in the 40s and 50s um, of the first century is when Paul was writing a lot of his letters. And in those letters, we see clearly a belief in Jesus's life and ministry and teachings and resurrection um, and very early belief in some of these core um, doctrines, um, especially the resurrection. Um, so it's not a later development. It is one of the earliest beliefs of the church, and it is, that is why we believe it, because we are a return to the apostolic church. Um, but there's, um, there's evidence, right, for this person called Jesus and this life that he lived and his resurrection. There is evidence for it. We don't have to take it just on faith. Faith is important, and faith is a gift of God. Um, that spurs our belief in him. But to support that belief and to support that faith, we can rely on the testimony of the earliest church, of those eyewitness accounts. Courts today rely on eyewitness testimony. Um, so not only do we have faith, but we do have this kind of um, historical evidence as well. So in Acts uh, chapter 10, verses 40 through 41. Let's start in verse 39. Acts chapter 10, verse 39 through 43. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. They ate and drank together. This is a physical body after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So there again, we see that this belief in the resurrected Jesus is really what takes us out of our sins into new life. But this is a very physical, physical resurrection, right? You cannot eat and drink if you're just a spirit. Um, that requires a physical body. All right, so here we have the eyewitness account of, of his disciples um, eating and drinking with him after his resurrection. Now, because of the resurrection, because we know this is true, then we know that his promises, his other promises to us are true. The resurrection is sort of the, the proof that he is who he says he is and that we can trust him. So let's look at a couple of these promises. Um, flip over to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, 
Matthew chapter 16, and I think it's verse 18. <clears throat> 16, verse 18. Yeah, and we'll read verse 18 to verse 19. This is Jesus speaking to Peter here. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter, the, the uh, prince of the apostles here, is given this ability to bind and to loose on earth and on heaven. But the point here is that the gates of hell will not prevail against this kingdom. This is the promise, one of the promises um, that Jesus gives us and is a fruit of his resurrection that our Lord, Jesus Christ, going on between Satan and God, um, and that battle still rages. The resurrection conquered death, but the battle still rages until the second coming, which is coming. But until that second coming, the battle will rage, but we have this promise that the gates of hell shall not, future will not prevail against the kingdom of God. And we know this, we can have trust and faith in this because we know that Christ was raised from the dead. Look also at chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. There may be a few verses around that that I also want to read. Uh, just verse 44, Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man, Jesus, is coming at an hour you do not expect. Right? And this is when evil will be finally defeated in its entirety. And death and pain will be erased in its entirety. But we must be ready. No one knows the exact day or hour. But we must be ready because the Son of Man is coming. This is his promise at an hour that we do not expect. So we should always be living right and sharing the good news and being a testimony in our lives of God's love and grace. And finally, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I said, it conquered death. It conquers death. And Jesus reigns as Lord of all. Let's look at Romans, and this will be the last, uh, last two passages that we look at. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Well, that's a run-on sentence. Let's start in verse 1. So Romans chapter 1, um, verse 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Jesus conquered death. 
um, and he reigns as Lord of all. And let's look at Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, verses 23 through 25. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses. Again, our sins are forgiven in Christ's resurrection and raised for our justification. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We are justified before God because we are in the resurrected Christ. We are literally in him and he is literally in us and therefore we are sons and daughters of the living God. All right, so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. It is a necessity of belief and it is the power of God in us. It is what, when from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, it is what drives our love for God and our love for others and our power in the face of suffering and, and evil and temptation. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the resurrected Christ, who lives in our hearts, who reigns in our hearts, and who is coming again to establish his kingdom of eternal peace and joy. And may that resurrected Christ always fill us with love for you and love for others and power to share the good news and to live according to your gospel truth. I pray for all the members of the Church of the Apostolic Restoration, that you will bless them, that you will fill them with your joy and with your peace, that you will bind them together in Christ-like love. And as they share their meal together after this sermon, may that love and joy be evident among them. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.